Tech Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. And now, here are your hosts, the game show guys, Tom Bastek, Mike Jacobs, and Christian Carrion. Hello and welcome in. It's America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. We're the game show guys. I'm Tom Bastek. I am Mike Jacobs. I don't think bulls have shoulders. I'm Christian Carrion. <laughs> uh, Siri, do bulls have shoulders? Oh, God. All right, we are I bet, three seconds I bet. into the podcast, and we're already yeah. off the rails. We are. We have gone totally off on a tangent. I gotta tell out you, of nowhere. I gotta tell you, I am so confident that bulls have shoulders. <laughs> I meant to say elbows. Oh yeah, good point. I was also thinking elbows. <laughs> Clearly, they have shoulders. Oh my God! I would almost right. say it's obvious. <laughs> what what everybody missed was um, Mike hit both of his funny bones before we went on the air, and uh, that's where the shoulder comment came from. Mm. Although I, I don't know why it was shoulders when it came out of Christian's mouth. So there we go. <laughs> Welcome everyone. Uh, we are episode number sixty-two. The featured game show this week is a great show by the name of the Mad Dash. We'll get to that more coming up in segment number two. Uh, gentlemen, hello, welcome. It's a, it's another great week here, and we're back. And and dude, it's so nice to be back on a regular schedule. It really is. I'm I'm liking this new Sunday night vibe that we got going. It's a good way to end the week. And uh, just like with every other season in the off season, I forget how much I miss doing this. <laughs> Same. And there's a certain comfort that comes with this format. It's like we're getting together to talk about game shows as like, yeah. as like a family every week. It feels nice. Well, and I will say I I took that laxness, I think, a little too uh, heavily last time, and I didn't do much preparing for the show, um, so I didn't have a whole lot of my standard, like, dive-ins and, and rabbit holes and whatnot that I go down, uh, and so for that, I apologize, but I've definitely fixed that this week, and I have a lot to talk about. Ah, it's so great. It's nice to be back uh, amongst the living, and I am very... Very happy that we are here for two straight weeks in a row uh, with another great show coming up. Uh, let's talk first, Christian, uh, what's happening in the world of uh, game shows? Well, something that hasn't quite happened yet, but is soon to happen in the world of game shows, and I'm really excited about it. We touched on it briefly last season, uh, the new Lingo on CBS mm. hosted by oh, RuPaul. Yeah. Um, Probably going to be called Wordle, Wordle by the time it starts, I would assume. <laughs> I, you, I mean, you all, I, like, at this point, you have to. But yeah, Lingo, I mean, is the originator of this format. Um, if anybody plays you know, the games like Wordle, that's where they get a lot of their swagger from. Um, so yeah, new Lingo coming this year. Uh, the casting just wrapped up, so they will be uh, expected to be taping new episodes soon. Um, it is such a great year to love puzzles and word games um i love this resurgence and i think it's um it's going to do a lot of good for the kind of stuff that we're interested in yeah it'll be interesting to see how much of a flash in the pan this kind of trend is um or not i mean it could go either way honestly um i i would love for like the idea of word puzzles and brain games to sort of come back in vogue um so yeah, I mean, I'm 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 all for it, but well, uh, I I think I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. So let's talk about what was canned last week. So we talked about the Hustler, not really a word game. I mean, more of a deception game. 
Uh, card sharks, it's a card game. It's not really a word game. Hmm. Uh, match game is a celebrity slash guessing game, I guess. But it's not. I mean, it's a little bit of a word game, right, Christian? It's like a word association, I guess, kind of yeah. a little bit. But not the puzzle game that Lingo really is. And I wonder if we see like a Scrabble comeback or uh, some of the other ones that are out there that were really popular back in the day. Yeah, I wonder if it will do something, you know, for that type of show. I mean. The only two shows on right now that have boards, you know, something that you kind of like look at for the duration, like the, you know, like for the duration of the show are like Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. That's a definite type of show that has sort of fallen by the wayside. And the price is right to a certain degree, but games where you could just stare at the TV, even with the sound off and play along. um, I wonder if they're going to have a moment. I'm really excited for that. Uh, Well, and we talked about this with Lingo is that not only can you play it with the sound off, but you can play it with only the sound. I was uh, I had it just playing on my phone one time and while I was taking a shower and was still totally able to play along just with the sound. I love it. Absolute witchcraft. I I love (laughs) I love that Mike plays game shows in the shower. (laughs) Who doesn't? (laughs) <laughs> I bought I bought these little waterproof Bluetooth earbuds and they're awesome. They're like you can't go swimming in them simply because Bluetooth doesn't work underwater. Um, but you could go swimming with them in that these earbuds would not be damaged by that. Uh, so yeah, I just pop them in when I take a shower and then like listen to a podcast or a game show or something and it's good times. So that brings up an interesting question. How do you wash the inside of your ear then? Oh, I just take it out briefly and wash oh, it. Oh, I see. Okay, now, what's good, what's good. really interesting, though, is after I do that and I put it back in, the uh, smallest amount of water in my ear can completely cancel the sound. Like the, really? you know, the idea of like sound doesn't travel through water as well. Yeah. yeah 100% yeah. like to the point where it is muted, not even like, like zero sound just from a droplet of water in my ear. It's, it's wow. weird. All right, Christian, what else you got? Well, a perennial, tell them what they want favorite is making a triumphant return to television. Guys, holy moly's coming back. Oh, is it that yes. awesome? Season four. Uh, I think we're going to see the Muppets in this season. I, I wish I grew up with the Muppets to the degree that people like you grew up with the Muppets. I'm sure Tom and Mike are very familiar with their work. Well, I think Mike, Mike, were you were you Muppets or was or were you too young for Muppets? No, I, I was a big time Muppets fan. So I don't know exactly when Muppets Take Manhattan came out, um, but I, it was one that we had on VHS when I was very very young, and I have seen that movie. Maybe more than or as many times as any other movie that I've seen. Um, and it really like drove home a big Muppet fandom for me. And so like I've seen I've seen I celebrate their entire catalog. <laughs> nice. I, I grew up with watching them, you know, every Friday night or whatever it was, uh, with the Muppet show. Hmm. And then later on, of course, Fraggle Rock was a huge part of my Monday nights on HBO. That was Fraggle Rock and it was amazing. Yeah, well, and I think all of us have Sesame Street, of course. Um, of course. But oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I will say I, I am a, t- a tidbit too young for the Muppet show uh, proper. Um, I didn't watch that. I, I watched reruns of it for sure, but n- not live. Right. By the way, 84 was Muppets Take Manhattan. Okay, so that, yeah, that makes sense. Um, cool. So but they're yeah. coming to Holy Moly, which is going to be amazing. Incredible. Talk about a timeless set of characters, right? I mean... This year 2022, and we have new Muppets content. And I think we saw Kermit with a headset. Is he going to oh. get involved? Can't wait to see. Yeah, there's a 
there's a promo poster where the it's all the Muppets hanging out with uh uh you know the, the Holy Moly and, crew. Uh, yeah. And yeah, uh all the Muppets look normal, but Kermit has a headset on. So yes. it sounds like it's gonna be like a little more involved than just like a cameo bit appearance Dude, or something. All I can say is Tessitor and Riggle and Kermit in the booth. Yeah. <laughs> Dream team. I, think it's I be love great. it. Christian, when's that coming back again? May 3rd on ABC. I cannot wait. Yes. I'm considering that an early birthday present. Oh, that's so great. Mike, what's uh, the date again? I'm sorry. May 3rd? No, no, your birthday. Oh. <laughs> I was like, he just said it, man. How'd you forget that already? I hope that's not the stuff or chump this week. Uh, May 22nd is my birthday. May 22nd. All right, great. That's fantastic. We got to put that in the pipe to smoke later on. Okay. Mm. Um. All right. Well, hey, why don't we do this? Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to grill Christian with Stumper Chump as it makes its return for season number four. Yes. I did not forget this time. <laughs> hey, you know, we should call this Tell Them What They've Won Forever. Oh, because we're season four. I was like, we're just going to take yeah. the name of another show, I guess. Okay. Well, yeah, because we are also on <laughs> no, season four yes, as I, well. I yep, you're right. I'm sorry. But I suck. It's, it's fine. But it works on another level because we're going to be on forever. 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 I well, I, I will say my confusion was like, but there's only three of us. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Look, all right, we'll be- <laughs> it's been a long week, all right? <laughs> We're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got Stomper Chop and, of course, this week's featured show, which is The Mad Dash. Join us. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. Hi there, Tom and Mike here, and as lovers of all things game-related, we are very excited to introduce to you a new movie-themed party card game made by two filmmakers who are good friends of the show. The game is called Made Up Movies, the party game of ridiculous reboots, and it's a game for both movie lovers and non-movie lovers alike. And let me tell you, I've played it, and it's an absolute blast. It's three to six players and ages 17 and up. Players take turns pitching a movie reboot, and other players play as studio executives. The player's pitching uses movie, star, genre, and setting cards to fill in a pitch template, kind of like Mad Libs. So here's how that would sound. This is a reboot of Rocky, starring Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. It's a buddy cop movie set inside an erupting volcano. Think Home Alone meets Gladiator. Now that sounds crazy, but that's why they call it the party game of ridiculous reboots. So that's your pitch, and then comes the best part. You have to answer for it. You really get to be creative in this one. The studio execs then get to ask one question from six categories that range from serious to silly. They're a lot of fun and always different every time you play. And at the end, players use the budget cards to rank everyone's pitch, and the player with the biggest budget is the winner. If you love movies, improv, and laughing a lot, Made Up Movies is a must-play. The Kickstarter is running now until April 20th and already has more than 15,000 raised and counting. Check it out now and get yourself a copy before the campaign's over. Just go to kickstarter.com and search Made Up Movies. That's kickstarter.com and search Made Up Movies. And thanks.
welcome back. It's episode number 62, segment number two. It is the Mag Dash this week. You've been listening to America's Favorite Game Show podcast. Tell them what they've won. Guys, it's time to stump or jump. Yes. I am so glad I get a bathroom break this season. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I feel like, okay, so first of all, I feel like you're already in an an advantage because you are picking these shows now. Uh, But second, uh, before we started recording, I had to cut you off from discussing the host of the show because you might have just said the answer to the Stump for Chump question. So... I don't know what's going to happen here, but you know what? Uh, it's the first one of the season, so maybe we got to dust off the cobwebs. Um, sure. But yeah, are you ready to go? You, you good? You nice and clean? I am as ready as I will be. I, okay. I got to tell you, this goes so well every week, but the nervousness just overtakes me every time we get one of these questions. Oh, please. No, because I can, I can embarrass myself at any moment. But it's, I'm, well, okay, fine. You got to understand the pressure I'm under here. <laughs> All right, so we are indeed talking about the host of Mad Dash. His name is Pierre Lalonde. Uh, Lalonde. <laughs> we will talk further in detail about him later and his uh, career, which uh, apparently Christian is uh, familiar with. I was not, so I went on a little bit of a deep dive and looked cool. up some information and found uh, some of his previous work, including a uh, radio show that he hosted in New York City. Now, the problem is, Pierre Lalonde is a very not American name. And so, whimst he hosted Yon Radio Show in New York City, what name did he go by? Hmm. Hmm. Now, I know we said I was an expert in the career of Pierre Lalonde, and that is absolutely not true. As a matter of fact, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I was hoping the answer to this question would be Pierre Lalonde. Oh, <laughs> that's a that's a damn shame. So because it's not. Let's all right. But you now now Christian, do your normal thing where you think, okay, so let me let me figure out what a, a good name would be that's Americanized that starts with an L, and 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 you're gonna work it out. You're gonna work it out. Well, no, what it's going to be is, well, you know, my grandfather once told me a story about his yeah. friend named Pierre. Who, Guys, none uh, of that is going to happen. None <laughs> of this is going to happen. This is going to be the literal definition of audio hemming and hawing. And it's going to be like Peter Lawrence, and he's going to pull it out of his butt. Watch. That sounds good. Let's go with that. No, no, don't go with that. Um, I was, I was going to say, if you want to go with Peter Lawrence, I, I'll accept that. I'll, I'll keep that on the back burner, but let me go back to my original plan, which was mouthing names that sound American, but sort of sound like Lalonde. Because <laughs> I think that makes for a better segment. Um, Lalonde. Leland. Leland. Let's try Leland. Let's try Peter Leland. Peter Leland. What was the one you said, Tom? I said Peter Lawrence. Okay, well, you were both correct with Peter, so I'll give you a half point. Uh, you were both on the wrong track with the last name, though. It is Peter Martin. Uh, so Martin. he did not go with a sound alike. I guess it's uh, the idea of just let's give an American name. I don't know. When I was on the radio, I was Tommy James because of Tommy James and the Shondells, just to mm. you know have that because uh, Bastek was just terrible of to say on on radio, but. Oh, but Martin is a pretty Americanized name. Peter Martin Peter is what he went Martin. by. Yeah, and you know, I don't know. I guess I kind of get it because, like, when you look at the numbers and the facts of it, like, it ends up being true that 
you know, names that are that foreign probably don't play well in the States, but it also like kind of sucks and is a little insulting you know like see i think that's different nowadays i think people would probably tune in more for a well, pierre lalonde than they would you know a, P- a peter martin it was very diverse right i don't know about more or less but i do think you are correct that today that is no longer the case that things like that are, yeah. are no longer necessary um Right. But yeah. Anyway, it's nice so to know we've we're, it's nice to know as an american people we're more woke to foreigners names we really did great. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it took us it took us what 40 years to get here, but we're here. Yeah. Mhm. Great. We've arrived. All right. Well, <laughs> speaking of Mr. Lalone, we've got uh, the Mad Dash this week. Uh, Christian, please take it away. The Mad Dash, one of my favorite obscure game shows of all time. So, first of all, uh we're in Canada. This is the ultimate quintessential vintage Canadian game show. And it embodies a lot of what makes Canadian game shows what they were during that time from the late 60s into the late, uh, mid to late 80s. Uh, so you had rather bare bones production. I mean, we watched this episode of The Mad Dash and they <laughs> used this set throughout the series run from 78, I believe, to 81. So all three years. Um, I mean, it looks like a high school art project, right? It looks yeah, like it does. You know, it's I a mean, lot those of guys... paper mache, a lot of sparkles and glue. And Velcro on the balls that they were throwing. And, 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 and oh, can we talk about the die itself first? Well, we'll, we'll I guess we can come back to that. The, yeah. the die itself, I feel like, was just chiseled from a cinder block. And the board that they're running on, which we'll post this on 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 the website, the video link. Uh, but actually, I'll embed it. But but I mean, every time they'd run on this thing, it would bend like it was made of like quarter inch sheet. I mean, sheetrock or plywood, and I was scared. Right, very <laughs> low budget, but charming in that way. Oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. just incredible, like incredible, like aesthetic, you know. And again, this is what we get from a lot of the shows around this time. Um, so I should explain what the game is about. So you have Please. two teams, not necessarily married couples; they're brothers and sisters, uh, coworkers. Um, so two teams of two compete against each other. One person stays on stage and answers questions to earn the right for their player their partner to move across the board it's a life-size board game on the studio floor and it's cheesy and the music is cheesy and very disco-y but it's just as the kids say it's such a vibe um <laughs> you know the questions are made We're to be so hip i know right so the questions <clears throat> excuse me hold on <clears throat> so the questions are made to be really easy and you know because it's clearly more fun to watch the board game aspect of this show play out as as it would be to watch the question aspect of this format play out so you know really easy questions earn a right to roll the die and you move spaces and like they say and like the host pierre lalone says on the show there are squares to move you forward squares to win uh, squares to win you back and squares to win you cash and prizes and so the scores rise and fall as players answer questions hit their buzzers roll the die um just, just such a high power, high energy show. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love the like sort of human board game aspect of it. Uh, and we've talked about on the show before about how I do the Mario Party party, um, which is just a field day in the in the vein of Mario Party. Um, but if you've ever played a Mario Party game, you know it's kind of like this, right? There's a giant board and the characters on it move around. And that was initially my concept for this was that there would be a person out like I was going to build an entire board in my parents backyard and like have people moving around this big board um and so I love seeing that like uh put together and despite the low budgetness of it it is executed well like it's it's built shoddily but the 
um, you know, the presentation not presentation, but you know what I'm saying? The, the execution of the game is done very, very well. Um, and, and it's, it's very strong on the game aspect, which we've talked about how I like, but I do sort of take a gripe with the easy trivia. Um, it's also kind of trick questions sometimes, and it's the quick buzz in, which I've also talked about on the show that like, doesn't really grab me in trivia shows because it doesn't really show like trivia skill. Um, you know, it's see, it's, I I'm I'm kind of on the opposite side of that, Mike. Where I like the quick buzzing because I'm like, good, I'm glad you got it wrong because you didn't leer out the whole question. Well, Come on, now let's give it to the other guy. That is the aspect of it that I like is seeing people try to you know be overzealous with it and fall flat. It's like good, like you're not actually. Playing you should the have game listened properly. to the question. Exactly, yeah, exactly, exactly right. Um. So yeah, I, you know, I that, a very minor gripe, and like Christian said, uh the highlight of the show is not the questions, right? You want to get to the board game aspect of it. And, and the, I love the way that everybody's counting along with them as they move on their steps. And, uh, the, uh, I like the idea of the end at the end. If you don't roll an exact number to win out that you have to go backward. Yes. I was going to ask you guys what you thought of that particular rule. Cause I thought I out think- of everything we saw, that would be the part you take the most offense to the fact that you have to win by exact count. Oh no! See, I no, like I the idea of winning. Fine. Yeah, okay. And and cool. I love the idea that you got to go back. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. I like that you go forward and then back the difference, right? Like as opposed to in some games where you have to win by exact count, you stay where you, you are right. if you don't right, get enough. Right, right. And I'm glad they don't do that because that is annoying. Because um, then you're just sitting there like you know spamming trying to get a single number, and that's no fun for anybody. Well. And the other thing right. is, is that a lot of those going when they're going back, some of those are are bad squares. Like in the episode we watched, they lost a hundred and ten dollars. They went bankrupt because they went back to two squares. And this brings me to what was personally my favorite thing of the entire show, which is the sound of going bankrupt. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I, I I I liken it somewhere between a creaky door and a cow mooing, um, but I think the most apt but maybe specific example that I can think of is if you are familiar with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, the doors on the spaceship sigh as they open <laughs> instead of like on Star Trek how they go, you know, right. these doors open, they sigh um, and. So since this is a pretty specific reference, I've got these both queued up and I want to play them for you. Uh, Back to back, it's not exact, but it's pretty darn close and it just makes me laugh. So uh, this is the sound of from the Mad Dash where, uh, like we say, she overrolls and then has to go back and hits go broke. And here is the sound. Uh, They will count to five. I believe you'll still hear on this clip and then you'll hear the sound. Two, three. So that, dude, it's a, it's like it a cow that's dying. It says it all, doesn't it? That's what's happened to you. And so here is a door opening on the Heart of Gold spaceship in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's close. It's oh, super close. I definitely close. see. I see. It's the... just. That's the best sound I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it hurts to laugh. Damn it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, why do we have this uh, moment? <laughs> I'm so you know, sorry. 
<laughs> um speaking of speaking of Wheel of Fortune, I've been finding myself playing a lot of Wheel of Fortune lately and I've been thinking about it. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try to audition the next time they come around. Mm. You totally should. I don't even know how one auditions for Wheel of Fortune. I guess you go online and sign up and they, I don't know. I Christian, you would be the uh the authority on this one. I know for a while they were doing an online test the way Jeopardy did. I'm not sure if they're still doing that. And I think the bus thing has sort of wound up because of COVID. So I imagine they they probably are doing the online. Yeah. A lot of the tests, you know, like Jeopardy isn't doing in-person tests, um, you know, since COVID. You can take it online. I'm pretty sure that's what, we, what Wheel of Fortune is doing as well. Well, I've, I've been doing pretty well on both the uh, online games and watching. I've been watching a lot of it for some reason lately on television, and I'm like, okay, I'm getting ready here. I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm telling you, it's the it, we are living in the second coming of word games. People are fascinated with them. I love I it. I just have to be better than Corey on Jeopardy. That's all I have to do. Well, you don't have a long hill to climb. <laughs> <laughs> that poor man. God bless that poor man. <laughs> At least he made it on the show. I'm still not even past the test. Oh, yet. same here. That's the uh, prize, isn't it? Just get yeah, it on it is. the show. Let me tell you. All right. So, uh, I, Mike, I love the I love the the sound of the dead cow as the <laughs> uh, the background. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got to change the topic, you guys. This is, <laughs> we're never gonna get to. <laughs> Um, did anybody else in the beginning? Did anybody else get a wheel? I mean, a, a Price is Right vibe. With the, with, sure, with the with the come on down, yeah, and, and the music yeah, was I mean, similar, that, and it was it was really really close. Yeah, um, I, I was I was glad that that's sort of where the comparisons ended. Um, but yeah, as soon as it started, I was like, oh, okay, so this is Canadian prices, right? I guess. Um, that being said, you know, aside from taking the same gimmick uh it actually fits with the show right they're coming right out the gate with the dashing dash on downs like yeah they start running right away if i can make a quick point about that intro as well i'm sure that the comparison to price is right is probably justified that was you know when price is right started picking their contestants from the audience and doing it on camera that was a big breakthrough in game shows presentation i mean shows had always picked their contestants out of the audience but they never televised that process and made that part of the show so a lot of the shows in the 70s were doing this thing where they pick contestants out of the audience and they make a show of it and put the cameras on them as they run down and this was one of them i i, I love it i think it's such an exciting intro do you think that that concept ever leads to upset audience members like so one of the things we talked to uh with jeremy when we interviewed him about being on prices right is that you when you when you talk to the people at the beginning don't be super animated and goofy and try to get their attention because they're not looking for that they see that all the time so like i wonder how often people go not knowing that and they think oh i really hammed it up and i did a great job and they thought i was hilarious i'm gonna get on this show and then they don't get picked and then they're like all sour grapes at the end and mad um i wonder i just i just wonder how frequently that does or does not happen from my personal experience being in the audience and, and being a contestant on The Price is Right, you really get to see a mixed bag of personalities when you're looking at the people that are in line because everybody is there. I mean, 
you know, really because they want to win something. And it's interesting to see how people play that psychological game. Some people are very animated and goofy, like you said. Some people are very negative and very sort of anti and down. Oh, I'm not going to get picked and, and very vocal about that. And I got to see both sides of it when I was out there. It's mm. interesting from like a psychological standpoint. What made me think of it is, is there's there's a lot of sourpuss faces in the cre- end credits of this show, <laughs> and I was like, I, I don't know, maybe maybe because uh, granted in the in the show where I'm in the end credits uh, in the audience, I got a very sourpuss face too. It's just a natural look of my face. Uh, we call it Harold Mouth in my family. Um, but yeah, I, it just it just struck me as an, an odd thought. Speaking of the end of it, that brings me to my next point, Mike. Nice segue. Um, mm. I loved. The thanks of all the sponsors voiceover at the end of the show. It is so classic 1980s. It's wonderful. Right down to the hairstylist. Too. Oh, I like, know. Not just the accommodations. I know. Like, it was it's so old fashioned, like a warm blanket. It, it, it is. It, to me, that is the, you know, you talk about the grilled cheese and tomato soup kind of feeling mm-hmm. that you get. That to me was the best part of watching this show was that all that was in there, you know, to, to the very end where it's like, it's a Mark Goodson television production, which it wasn't. This is not a Mark Goodson production, but, <laughs> right. but I love that just gives me this warm and happy feeling that brings me back to my childhood. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, uh, it didn't bring me back to my childhood. It predated my childhood. But by the same token, the prizes that they gave away, I don't know if you specifically caught the uh, TV remote control. Oh, that but, is the cable uh, box the that prize. I had in my house, dude. Oh, I mean, the thing is bigger than most keyboards. Yeah. Like like computer keyboards that have hundreds of keys so on them. <laughs> in, in 1980, in Hamilton Square, New Jersey, we were lucky enough to get cable. Actually, it might have been 79. And we had that little converter box just like that one, except up at the top, instead of having all the numbers, it actually had a sticker on there with all the logos for all the different channels. Mm. I had ah. I had MTV from the get-go. I had ESPN from the very beginning. I mean, I was one of the test markets around the New York City area that got cable. Cable TV pioneer, yeah. Tom Bastet. And, and that, that <laughs> also no shows idea. exactly how freaking old I am. Thank you, guys. <laughs> uh well yeah i mean we're all getting older i actually game show related i i learned uh that a teacher from my high school is going to be on jeopardy um coming up fairly soon oh nice and uh when i announced that uh uh my wife asked if it was someone i knew and it was not it was uh, actually an alumni from my high school still not somebody i knew they graduated 12 years after me and they are now teaching Mm. yeah wow so just you know every day you just feel a little bit older (laughs) (laughs) well that's great um let's make sure mike when they're going to be on that we talk about it and we uh we have a little fun yeah, for sure. That'll be great. Uh, but as, with the with the matter at hand, Mad Dash, I still got a lot of stuff I want to talk about. With Please, show. yeah, no, continue. <laughs> Please continue. Uh, okay, so well, we we were talking before about some of the more interesting rules, and um, one of the ones that I thought was strange was that the returning champions stay until they lose twice, and so they can wipe away their losses. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like so if you. Uh, it, yeah, so it's like you, you have to basically lose twice in a row. Um, so it's not just enough to come in and unseat the champion. You have to 
do it twice and that happens with uh our our pal udo and uh I, you know it's i i don't want this to be sexist that i've remembered the gentlemen's names and not the ladies names uh but we have some very strange gentlemen names on this show yeah just saying <laughs> uh so yeah um but yeah udo uh and his partner tie up um I guess his name is Giles, according to the spelling on his uh, name but tag. But they said Jill, didn't they? Gilles? I, yeah. like, I, it, it sounds it's, like he says it different every time. I think it's time. French, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, Canadian I, I, probably it, is it French, would, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could not put a finger on what that name actually was. But anyways, uh, they uh, played against each other and tied up, and then so the second round was them facing off to see, like, can they unseat the champions and in fact they did not and so they ended up leaving and the champions were still there even though they just lost they didn't lose twice um so yeah i don't know i just thought that was a super interesting rule and i wonder if it led to any like super long i mean obviously the show wasn't long enough to be any sort of record setting runs on game shows but like i don't know it, it, i feel like it, it could open the door for that theoretically i bet it saved them on casting to be honest with you because that's less people mm. that they have to pick that's very that's true very true longer. and maybe you know yeah and it wasn't huge amounts of money either christian you know they were they were no. well, i mean even in those days in 1980 three thousand dollars was only three thousand dollars well that's the thing too another hallmark of canadian game shows at this time period uh the cheapness of the prizes i mean you had shows like definition was a word game the longest running game show in canadian history used to give away things like a pen and pencil set or you know an air conditioner or a fire escape ladder like that was the that was the caliber of prizes on shows around that time because they had laws about how much you could give away on tv at one time right right it's um i really enjoyed the side game where they you know we talked about wiping away one of their losses she had the little ball there and you had three oh, chances star. Yeah, to to mm -hmm. attach that ball to one of the Velcro places, and the, of course, the first one she went for and got it was wipe away a loss right off the board. And and to me, I'm like, wow! Not only can you do you have to lose twice, not once, but now you can wipe that away and you can lose again. And if you keep right. getting that shooting star, then you could keep wiping away your losses, and who knows how long you could go for? Very powerful, yeah, exactly. Very powerful prize. Well, and. Uh, it's interesting you brought up that shooting star because there were there's several other like special spaces like that on the board that uh, w we didn't see at least not not that I noticed I I watched it through twice but I was also like taking notes and looking stuff up so I wasn't glued to the screen the entire time uh, but there's something called the card game uh, where they just draw a card from a giant deck of cards and then uh, they're they're board member dasher as they call them uh, moves ahead that many spaces um and there's one called happy birthday <laughs> where they spin there's like it's two wheels one inside the other um and it basically you you get money for what you bank but it's weird the way that it works i'm, I'm just going to read what wikipedia has this described as because it's it's very strange the outer wheel has six sections, showing five different cash amounts and an insurance policy. The inner wheel has 12 sections, one for each month of the year. If the outer wheel lands on a cash amount, the team banks the cash, or double the value if the inner wheel lads lands on the dasher's birth month. So in other words, you can double it if the month is the month that the 
Dasher is born on. However, if the outer wheel stops on the insurance policy, the team receives one to protect against losing their bank. It's like learning how to play Catan. Yeah, I, I, yeah. So, okay. Anyways, that's that. It didn't happen on the show. Um, but basically, you just spin a wheel, two wheels, and get money or not. Um, and there, there's a couple other little like mini games uh, there that are not in this one episode. And as I understand it, there's not a whole lot of surviving episodes of this in general uh, because the the sort of standard practice for television shows back in those time was to not archive things and you know reuse the tapes, tape over stuff wipe out the tapes whatever um so yeah I, I don't know if if some of these games documented even are still able to be seen there's if i could make a quick point there's a website uh called bonusround.ca and it is the netflix of canadian game shows they have every episode that's known to exist right now i think it may be something like 12 different episodes there but oh, it's wow. a really nice guy named Craig that runs the site. He, he he does an incredible job, and he's archiving all this stuff that seemingly over the past few years has just been you know been discovered after thought to be lost for so long. Wow, that's really cool. I gotta check that out because yeah, there, as far as I could tell, there's only that one on YouTube. I found something that referenced a pilot episode, but the link was dead. Um, so yeah, this was all I could find. But I mean, granted, I didn't go on a huge search but yeah yeah christian send that link over to me so i can post that on the website as well That'd be yeah great. i definitely will absolutely um so one thing i did notice during this show that sent me down a, a rabbit hole far longer than i was expecting <laughs> um the board that is behind the uh question answers and the uh question answerers and the host that displays you know their current bank of money um has a dollar sign on it with a single line through it. And when they win big prizes, the uh, what they refer to as Chiron graphics, little text graphics that come up on screen over the video, uh, used a dollar sign with two lines through it. And me being Mr. Push Up My Nose, I Know Everything, thought, oh, ho, ho, they did it wrong because... The dollar sign actually only has one line, and the two lines is for pesos. I was wrong. And so I was wondering if you guys had heard any theories about the difference between one line or two lines uh, and the reasons why those might exist. I I have a guess, um, and that's because when I was young, I didn't have the ability to draw a straight line parallel to another straight line, so I only drew one line through the through the S, and then when I got older and I was a little bit better, I could draw two lines through the S parallel, and it looked good. So I went with the two lines. That's my guess. So it was it was purely a skill a skill based uh, necessity. Absolutely. Okay, Christian. Christian, any theories? I've actually never in my life given this thought, but now that I think of it and you're describing it, I wonder if it's not. But I wonder if it's not that the one line is for anything under. A thousand dollars in two lines is. I wonder if it's like oh. a million would be three lines or you know a hundred. Interesting, interesting. Ah, that is a that's a very good uh, theory. Mm. I like that mm. a lot. All right, Mike, give uh, it to no. us. Well, the answer is there is no standardized difference. It is merely a graphical representation, which just means that the font they used for the board used one line, and the font they used for the Chiron graphics had two lines. Wow. Uh, there was another, uh, I guess, not urban myth. It is a thing that happened um, that that people often accredit it to is that uh, the 
two lines was because it was a U and an S superimposed over each other um, for United States. And over time, the uh, sort of bottom of the U was dropped. Um, That is true. But it's not where it originated. That was just some clever craft graphic designers thing of let's put the U and make it look like the two lines mm. and it's U.S. Interesting. Uh, the idea of the U, uh, the bottom part of the U being lost was actually uh, presented by Anne Rand because the idea was that it was uh, in one of her books, I suppose, uh, it was supposed that the uh, that U.S. sign was on money bags but the bottom part of the U would be on the underside of the bag and therefore not visible, and it was lost. So I was thinking maybe one of you had heard one of those, uh, and I could crush your dreams and say there's actually no difference. Uh, nope. That being said, there is a informal usage of if you have two currencies that both use the dollar sign and you want to differentiate them, you would use one with one line and the other with two, but there's no sort of rules as to which has to be which and whatever else. Now, different countries have said we officially use one or two, uh, but again, no no standardized reason for that. It's just purely graphical. And that's your tidbit for the day. I, I have to tell you that that is um, something that I was way more interested in than I thought I would be. <laughs> yeah, I was hanging on your every word, Mike. Uh, Wait, really? Yeah, no, I'm dead serious. I am not I am not <laughs> busting balls here. I am telling you the truth. Like I was very interested to find out what the story behind one versus two <laughs> lines were. When my work bully comes to me tomorrow and tells me to tell him what the difference is between a thing with one line and a thing with two, I want to be ready for him. The fact that you have a work bully bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> No, but for the joke, I'll go make one. Well, speaking of which, if you do have a problem with a bully, please talk to somebody. That's right. For real. For real. Yeah. For real. Anyway. All right. Well, and Mike, anything else on uh, the Mad Dash? Christian, what else you got for us? Anything else on Mad Dash? Well, you know, the host of the show, Pierre Lalonde, we talked about him for a second. He was a very famous singer, very famous at the time of this show's recording those, you know, for those three years. And he was famous even for a while afterwards, just passed away uh, about 10 years ago. But yeah, an iconic Canadian sort of pop singer, sang a lot of standards back in the day. Wow. Uh, he died in 2016, as a matter of fact, uh, due to complications from Parkinson's. Oh. Uh, he, he was also an Aquarius. <laughs> those were those were notes I took about Pierre Lalone. I'm I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad we Mike, I'm gonna expect to know Look, every single I didn't single... do enough research last week, so I overdid it this week. <laughs> I want the sign of every single host that we now talk to about <laughs> for the rest of the rest of the season. I would also like to know how many more sentences I could expect with the words Parkinson's and Aquarius together. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, wait, when was Michael J. Fox born? Oh, easy, oh. easy, easy, easy. All right. Well, I think that's just about it for this week, guys. <laughs> Any parting thoughts? <laughs> well, the only thing is I said we'd come back to it, so I'm going to come back to it. The die in this show. Oh, God, yeah. The sound of it hitting the backstop is like dropping a brick on a driveway. I don't know what that thing is made of. Yeah, they of, definitely over mic that bulky. table. Yeah, they need yeah, to turn they it down did. a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was really... You know, I mean, hard. Like you're not even making half the sound. You're it absolutely makes right. right now. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Anyways, that's all I got. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, Christian. Uh, all I can say is, if somebody comes to you selling a bull with no shoulders, run as fast as you can. There it is. I love it. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you again next week. Thanks for joining us. 
You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they want. See you next week. Bye, Tom. Bye, Christian. Goodbye, Mike. Goodbye, Tom. You've been listening to America's favorite game show podcast. Tell them what they've won. A JTEC audio production. Copyright 2022. No part of this podcast may be reproduced by anyone without the express written consent of the creators. For more information or to contact us, please go to tellthemwhatthey'vewon.com. Okay, Mike, what did you learn this week? Uh, I learned that actor Udo Kier has appeared in more than 220 movies. (laughs) Who is Udo Kiered? Uh, well, so we had the contestant Udo on there and the name Udo Kier popped into my head and I, I didn't know who it was. I was like, I just know the name Udo Kier, but I have no idea who it you is. You know, when you're on Wikipedia and you see that link for famous Udos, you can't resist. Yeah. I mean, I exactly. How do you, how do you not click on that? Uh, no, he's an actor. If you go look him up, you'll probably recognize him. Okay. Uh, as soon as I saw a picture of him, I recognized him as, uh, Ron Camp from Ace Ventura. You know, when he goes to the fancy oh, yeah. party and he's got the shark, he's the old guy I like to watch this fish swim Mm -hmm. that's udo kier oh that's great i love it all right uh well i'll tell you i learned this week that christian cannot contain his laughter when it comes to the sound of (laughs) (laughs) bankruptcy i wasn't thinking about it you said something about it (laughs) um and and i definitely also learned that uh, about the one the dollar bills, one line versus two. That was a huge learn for me, and I'm very proud. Christian, how about you? Well, I've relearned by showing you guys the Mad Dash that the tackiness and cheesiness of Canadian game shows of the 70s and 80s transcends generations, transcends cultural boundaries, and will unite us forever. And it really shows that budget limitations do not need to hinder a show. That's right. Especially when you have someone named Udo. Copyright 2022, a JTEC audio production.